Welcome to the Truth Be Known podcast, bringing you the objective truth boldly, candidly, and without apology. Welcome to this week's episode. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Truth Be Known podcast. I'm Nathaniel Jolly. And I am Eki Tepsipornshai. Well, brother, uh, we have a, an amazing subject today. Uh, one yeah. that I think every Christian will um, have two responses to. One is absolutely I agree, and the other is I am an utter failure at it. Um, yeah, <laughs> or both, or maybe maybe both. Yeah, both. Yeah, that, that's what I mean. Uh, and it's on the subject of prayer, right? Um, and I, I, I want to start off with with a quote. Uh, by John Bunyan that I, I, I just, I really love John Bunyan's uh, thoughts on prayer. He says, you can do more than pray after you've prayed, but you cannot do more than pray until you have prayed. Pray often mm. for prayer is a shield to the soul, a sacrifice to God and a scourge to Satan. Mm. Wow. Yeah, that's quite a statement. And I've heard um, another quote, and I know you've heard this as well, is that, uh, you know, um, the the measure of a man's uh, maturity is is um, is really how often that uh, that person's in prayer in his private time. Yeah, yeah, and I think uh, it it it's interesting. This topic can feel very um, well. Let me say, judgy uh, to some folks, uh, but I think if we're honest, it's because it's just something we all know we should do, and we do a lot of other things instead of yeah. praying. Um, and so we'll maybe talk some of that, but I thought maybe let's just make a case from scripture first for the primacy of prayer in the life of a believer. Um, I mean, I'd, I'd argue just very simply that a man who never prays just isn't a Christian. Um, and my words are important, right? A man who never prays, not a man who struggles to pray or is distracted right. when praying. But um, the Christian has to have a prayer life. Um, yeah. you, you just can't be regenerate and not. And so, um, I think about, uh, you know, the the book of Acts, you can go through all the scriptures, of, source, uh, of course, and you see how often we see the people of God in prayer, how often um, they pray, when they pray, what things they pray for. I mean, it's yeah. all throughout, I mean, from the beginning to the end of scripture. But one particular thing, uh, you know, I was thinking this morning of, of what the what verses to talk about. The problem with prayer is not that there are few verses to talk about. It's that there are so many, which ones do you bring into just a short hour podcast? So let me just kind of set the scene. So here in Acts chapter two, um, you've got a group of guys who the Holy Spirit's fallen upon. They are speaking in languages foreign to them uh, that they've never learned. And so this is a miraculous gifting, right? And you have this big crowd gathering saying, how is it that all of these men um, are speaking in our own languages, right? In other words, these men who we know don't know our own native tongue. How are they speaking that? And so, um, extraordinarily miraculous gifting there. And they go through this whole scene. Um, you get closer to the end and you find out that through those events, Christ adds about 3,000 to the church there. Now you come down to verse 42 in the second chapter book of Acts. And here is what I really want to point out. Uh, miracles are being seen. 
um, undeniable. They're incredible. In fact, these languages, the guys were speaking, they didn't even know what they were saying. Uh, I don't believe. And and yet it, the scripture tells us they were speaking of the glories of God, right? The magnificent things of God. So you get down to 40, verse 42 and you find out what the end result was. What did that produce in all of these new believers? And, and let me just read it. Verse 42 says, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is the result of being born again. After seeing all these miraculous things, uh, they, they weren't focusing on the miracles. They weren't focusing on, you know, all of these outside, uh, probably amazing things that were happening. No, it it drove them to the word of God as taught by the apostles and to prayer. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, We see that in Acts, that is a foundational activity. And I think one of the reasons also is because Jesus Christ himself was a man of prayer. You know, one of the, uh, one of the complaints or one of the challenges uh, with regards to prayer, especially for those of us who would affirm the sovereignty of God is that if God knows everything, why should I pray? Right. And it's the same kind of question as um, if God knows, if, if God is completely in control of all things, why should I evangelize? It's, it's that kind of question. But we see that that certainly did not hinder Jesus Christ. And it didn't matter how busy he was. He always found time to pray. I'm looking at Mark chapter one. Mark chapter one, we see that basically um, all of Judea were coming after him because they wanted him to perform his signs of miracles and healing. He had uh, raised up, uh, he had healed um, Simon's uh, mother-in-law and uh, and then all the people, the whole city was gathered at his door. It says that in verse 33 of Mark chapter one. And then the very next morning, it says in the early morning, um, while it was still dark, so it's not even sunlight yet. He got up, he left the house, went to a secluded place and was praying there. And if you were to go through the book of Luke, just trace through how often Jesus Christ went away to pray and look at the um, occasions that he prayed. Uh, Often before major decisions, often before major events, he would actually go and pray. But uh, from the Old Testament, there is one incident that comes to mind, and that's really the building of the temple. So so Solomon, the son of David, he Mm -hmm. builds the temple, that is to replace the tabernacle that had been constructed under the days of Moses. And the temple was going to be the place of worship. But when Solomon lifts up the prayer of dedication, and you can find this in uh, 1 Kings, I want to say, um, chapter 8, 1 Kings chapter 8, there's this long prayer of dedication, and Solomon's overriding emphasis is upon prayer. The idea that the house of God would be a place where people would go to pray to God. And, uh, and Jesus, when he cleansed the temple um, on his uh, final week before his crucifixion, he cleansed out the temple, and he said that, um, that, that the temple is supposed to be the house of God for prayer. And the verse that uh, he actually quotes, the, the more complete verse out of the Old Testament, is that it's a house of prayer for all the nations. Um, so we see the significance in both the Old Testament, the New Testament, and the example of Jesus Christ, and right there, as you mentioned, from the start of the church. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, if the question is, since God knows all things, why should I pray? Um, you're already on. The, that's the wrong question, yeah. right? Uh, the question should be, how is it that a God desires my prayers? How is it that a God who doesn't need me, who created everything, who's magnificent, who's glorious, 
Um, why would he desire my prayers? That's a far better question. Not why we should, not why should we pray, but why do we get to pray? Um, is a far better question. And I think we see you're talking about Solomon. You can go to Second Chronicles, and this is a good example of, uh, you know, God Himself speaking, saying to His people, "I want you to pray." Um, right. In fact, let me just read a little bit of that. Uh, you go to Second Chronicles, uh, chapter seven. Starting with verse 11, it says, Thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord and the king's palace and successfully completed all that he had planned on doing in the house of the Lord and in his palace. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon at night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. If I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people and my people who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray and wow. seek my face and turn for the wicked ways, then I will hear them from heaven. Well, God already knows all of that. And, and, and still here he's bringing an emphasis on his people, well, two things, repenting and praying, right, in that instance. Um, and, of course, Jesus is the ultimate example. I mean, all throughout the Gospels, uh, I think you referenced it uh, in Luke, right? It says that he often wow. slipped away into the wilderness uh, to pray, and that's very interesting because when you think about the scenarios in which Jesus often left or slipped away, in this case, mm-hmm. what what was he doing that he had to slip away? Um, clearly, it was something of unimportance, right? I mean, he just left. Well, n- n- no, n- no one would have thought that in the day. He was busy healing people. I mean, there were people coming from all over, um, and if yeah. you've you know, if you've ever been in particularly third world countries, um, it's not uncommon for guys to walk for days uh, to, to come here a teaching, even nowadays. You know, if you were to go uh, or if I were to go to another country, some of these places are so truth depraved that guys will walk for days and days to get there. So I can just imagine, and I think it's reasonable to assume guys were you know, spending a lot of energy and effort to get to Jesus because they hear these yeah. miracles. And here Jesus is, he's healing people. And and then um, when the time comes, he decides that there's something more important than healing the physical body. And that's prayer. And so he secretly slips away and he does this often. And so mm-hmm. I think that kind of thing uh, we ought to look at and see, okay, if, if Jesus who is part of the Godhead, is slipping away to pray when he could just be miraculously healing all of these people, there must be something unique in prayer. There must be something important about prayer that even far exceeds um, sometimes the desires and needs of our physical body. Yeah, and when we think about it, when Jesus slipped away, um, that's easily time that you know, he could have easily justified to get more rest or to go back to the people um, to um, provide more of the healing that they were seeking. But it shows that um, if given the choice of all activities, it would seem that Jesus would first and foremost want to pray to God. And just to add on top of your point, the better question of why would a God uh, who is who he is even uh, entertain our kinds of prayers. Well, I I would say on the flip side, those who ask, well, if God knows everything, why should I pray? Um, There's a wrong presumption in that as well, because it it assumes that the only reason why we pray is in order to um, bring requests that God doesn't know about. 
right? Um, but our prayer to God is not merely about requests. Certainly, we do want to bring those petitions to Him. When we have requests, things that we're anxious about, we certainly want to bring that to Him. But uh, prayer is about communion with God. It's about spending yeah. dedicated time with God. And so, it's instructional to us that when Jesus went away, He would go away to a secluded place. And then He would go away secretly. He wouldn't tell people. He just goes off on his own, goes to a secluded place where he's going to have uh, privacy. He's going to be able to just focus upon that time. And it's really like um, the, you know, how we often want to spend uh, the most time with the people that we enjoy the most, the people that mean the most to us, right? It's not, we're not spending time with them because they, we have something to reveal to them that they don't already know. We want to spend time with them, even in a human sense, just to be with them, just to help develop the, those relationships and to enjoy each other's company. And uh, prayer should be no different. So when we go to God in prayer, it's not simply just about lifting up our requests to him. Now, there are people that also make the opposite error, that they go to him and they never lift up their request to him or they never pray for their own needs. Well, I mean, that's where, that's unbiblical as well. So we are told to bring our needs to Jesus and to, to God uh, through Jesus Christ. And And by the way, even the the idea that Jesus Christ is our great high priest, he is our intercessor, you know, the fact that the veil was torn in the most holy place, and now we go to God through Jesus Christ. Um, the, the book of Hebrews says, draw near to him so that he may draw near to you and give us uh, grace and mercy in, in, our, in our time of need. So even that picture of Jesus Christ as our great high priest has very much uh, built into it this activity of prayer, not only him for us, but also us to God through him. Yeah, and you make a good point there about um, the, the elements of our prayer, and I, I think the Apostle Paul is a great example of this. Uh, it, you know, in in Ephesians chapter one, I think it's verse fifteen, sixteen. Um, you you see Paul offering up a prayer uh, to the saints at Ephesus, and it, he has a focus there. But you actually also see two kind of. Um, dynamics in his prayer. One is he starts his prayer with thanksgiving, right? He's thanking God for what God's done in the saints. In fact, what's just happened, uh, you know, as uh, you well know, and our listeners will, is he's just gotten reports, right? Uh, he's responding to reports from Ephesus that they've continued in the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and their love for all the saints. And so, he's saying that he's praying without ceasing, um, and and he's giving thanksgiving, and that's the first thing. Uh, the first element of his prayer is he's giving thanks to God. God, but then he goes on to petition God. Um, and so it's right for both of those. And I would argue that that's a good order, right? To start our prayers off, not with just a, a list of our needs, um, although it's acceptable to bring those to God's, but to thank God for what we do have, for what he has done. Um, and and then also to bring his petitions. I, I, I want to quote some by Martin Lloyd-Jones. I think few people say uh, it is it is well as he does concerning prayer. He says, when a man is speaking to God, he is at his very acme. He is at the highest activity of the human soul. And therefore, it is at the same time the ultimate test of a man's true spiritual condition. There is nothing that tells the truth about us as Christian people so much as our prayer life. Everything we do in the Christian life is easier than prayer. Yeah. That's a powerful statement. Yeah, it is. It's the highest activity of the human soul. And I just wonder how often we really view prayer as being the highest activity of the human soul. You know, I, I think that there may be a lot of people that might admit to it, but to also say that their lives don't reflect that priority, right? So, we, um, we want 
our prayer lives to be able to reflect uh, that priority. And, and one of the difficulties, I think, with prayer is that, um, in a sense, you know, it's, it's easy to look at it as, as an activity that provides no tangible benefit where, you know, you don't come out of it uh, with something extra. You know, you're, you're not uh, performing a specific task uh, for someone or, or for the church. Um, but at the same time, I think people who are in prayer are the ones that do feel the, the great spiritual benefit of uh, being united with God. And one of the things I've heard said that I think is very helpful is that prayer is a lot less about us revealing to God what it is we need, because obviously he knows all things, but it is much more about reminding ourselves about who he is, his greatness, and, um, and, and aligning our will with his. You know, when you read these Psalms, and the Psalms are full of both prayers as well as songs of worship, you see so many of those Psalms that start off um, on a very desperate note where the psalmist uh, will be crying out in desperation for God to hear the psalmist that he is going through trials, um, he's being challenged, he's being mocked, whatever the case may be. And oftentimes in those psalms, by the time you get to the end of the psalm, you see a confidence in the psalmist that you did not see in the beginning. Um, there's a confidence that God will deliver them, that God will hear their prayers, that God will act, and that God will uphold uh, his name. And, and that really is part of the process that as we go to God in prayer, we are focused on God, and the more focused on God we are, the more we remind ourselves of who he is and the fact that he is faithful. Lamentations, you know, as um, Jeremiah is writing uh, chapter three, and he's, ta- he's just writing about how his hope is gone, and yet something comes to mind. He reminds himself that God is faithful, right? So that, that's um, part of the many values um, of prayer is just to remind us of the greatness of God and to come out of that having been refreshed um, over who God is and having that confidence like the psalmist that God indeed uh, will carry out his will, even if we don't know exactly what that is. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, this is the, the should be a lifestyle of the Christian, right? I mean, yes, we really should be a praying people. And, and that is, we should be a people that are always praying. Um, do I mean every second or every moment of the day? Um, well, no, not necessarily, but we should be in such a state of desiring communion with God that we never miss those opportunities, or at least we take advantage um, of of the opportunities that we get to pray. And it's not a legalistic thing, so y- you can pray in 30 seconds. Um, I, I, it doesn't take but a moment to stop yeah. and thank God for something. Um, but the, the point is, is as we mature and grow and are more sanctified, this should be an ever-increasing thing in our lives. It should be difficult for the Christian to go extended periods of time without communing with God in prayer. Uh, I, I think of 1 Thessalonians 5, right? 16 uh, through 18 tells us to rejoice always, to pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. Um, and, and then goes on to say that that's the will of God for Christ, you know, the will of God for us in Christ Jesus. So if you're struggling for the will of God, it, here, here's, here's, here it is yeah. in scripture. Um, and there are a couple other verses that speak to the will of God, but pray without ceasing. And it just yeah. means, I think, when scripture uses that language, it, it means that this is um, just your posture as a believer, right? Um, there are often times that you pray. Um, and we do a lot of other things, right? I mean, guys will spend, um, you know, hours watching movies in the evening. And um, if, if 
some people are feeling guilty right now, maybe that's a good thing. Um, but, but really, you know, if you spend 20, 30 hours watching television um, and you tell me that you don't have any time to pray, uh, wow. then, then we're not being sincere, right? Um, and, and I think in those cases, you just need to acknowledge that prayer is not important in your life. And in God's grace, you can repent for that, um, and, and you can start afresh right now um, and thank God. But it, it's an indicator of where we are spiritually, right? Um, yeah. I've often seen uh, folks in the church, and you have as well, lovely. I have no reason to think they're not believers. In fact, every evidence proves that they are, um, but it's an area that they're very weak in. And here's the reality. If your prayer is weak, then your Christianity is weak. Uh, they, 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 in some ways, go hand in hand, I think. Yeah, and we um, part of the struggle, too, and I think more churches could do more to help their people learn how to pray. And, and prayer, in one sense, there's nothing mystical about it, right? I mean, yeah. it is mystical in the sense that we're talking to the God of, you know, the creator of the heavens and the earth. But it, it's not mystical in terms of the words, right? I mean, we want to come to yeah. God and just be able to share what's on our heart with God, but also be able to reflect back the same kind of praise and worship that we would do in a worship service. Um, and when you go through the scriptures, the, the word prayer, it's not always mentioned, but it is often implied. So, for instance, um, you know, First Peter chapter five talks about how um, to, you know, cast all your anxieties upon mm-hmm. upon God, right? And well, how do you cast your anxieties upon Him? Well, you do that through through prayer. Um, and uh, more specifically, uh, Paul says in Philippians chapter four, "Be anxious for nothing, but by prayer and supplication, yeah. let your requests be made known to God." And then the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. And I've been asked that question before. Well, how do we get that peace of God that guards our heart? Well, it, it comes when we go to God uh, with our requests, but we also remind ourselves that as we make a request known to him, it is also a reminder to us that he is completely sovereign. He loves those who are his own and he intends nothing but good to, to, to those who are his own. And so that's part of the Romans eight twenty eight. Uh, he causes all things to come together for good for a lot of times. So a lot of times when we lift up those, those requests, we should be lifting them up, reminding ourselves that whatever it is God does with those requests, uh, one, he's going to be faithful to do it. And two, it's going to be for our own good, even if it's not necessarily what we would choose ourselves. So what would you say to someone, brother, who is listening and they're acknowledging that, you know, I really, I, I need to um, increase my prayer life. I want to do that. I need to do that, but I don't really pray. Uh, and so, what what do I do? You, you know, give me some practical steps to where do I start? What what would you say to someone like that? <clears throat> well, start praying right away. Um, start praying right away. And and I think there there's some simple models of prayer. So following after the that the Lord's prayer that we see in Matthew chapter six, there's actually a pattern that you see Jesus Christ going in, um, where he starts off with uh, with praise and adoration to God when he says, uh, "My Father who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name." Hallowed be Thy name is to reflect the fact that you understand that He is holy, that He is completely other. He is completely separate uh, from all of creation. Um, and then there's the, uh, your kingdom come, my will be done. Your, I'm sorry, your kingdom come, your will be done. And, and that's a reminder to us that 
Everything in this world belongs to him, and we exist for his will and purpose, and we desire his will and purpose. You know, and that's that, that can be a hard thing, especially when we realize that part of God's will is for Jesus Christ to return and bring judgment upon those who have rejected him, right? And, and so, as we come yeah. to him and we desire that, we're also uh, asking for that time of, of judgment to come, even for our loved ones that may not know the gospel. But so, we, we see the adoration and then go to really the, um, the, the recognition uh, of God's will. And then after that, we bring our requests. Um, give us a stay, our daily bread. You know, we let our requests be made known, but we also take some time, and it's not specified in that Lord's Prayer, but we also take time to pray for the needs of others. You know, um, Paul in Ephesians uh, chapter 6, verse 18 says, pray for all the saints at all times. And one of the benefits uh, of praying for one another, I would say as well, is not only are you praying for others the way you say you will, and uh, and often we do that, and I'm guilty of it as well, I'll do it and I'll forget, right? But when you pray for other saints, and when you have a dedicated time of prayer and you pray for other saints, it also helps bond your heart, not only to God, but also to other saints through your prayer to God. And it causes you to remember what they're going through, what they're struggling with. And it also encourages you to follow up. And, and that's also part of God's plan, that we have that fellowship with one another, that we're, we're you know, we're, we're communing with each other, we're encouraging one another, we're building each other up. But yeah, for the person um, who is just not in prayer, it, it's an absolute must. And I would say, Start praying right now. Um, you know, and, and if you don't know what to pray for, think about what you're going to do throughout the day and start reflecting that back to God and, and just ask that God would bless those plans, that, that God would help you to do those, those things in a way that's going to glorify Him. And you can go through in a detailed manner, just go through through all of the things that you plan to do that day. And as you're, you're doing that, it's also going to help you really think through um, what is the right godly attitude as you go about uh, those tasks. Martin Luther was known for praying two hours a day. And on a day where he was particularly busy, he would say, oh my goodness, I have so much to do today. I got to pray three hours instead of two. Um, so he would actually pray longer uh, when when he yeah. had uh, more on his plate, which, okay, I'm not going to pretend like that's me. It's not. Um, but that's that's the kind of mindset that that he yeah. had. And that's the kind of mindset that um, that that we ought to have as well. And so, if we're going to be more like Christ, uh, we do want to spend that time in prayer. And here's the guarantee. When we go to God in prayer, and we're really just focused on Him, it has that effect of just making us more godly. It just has that effect of, of giving us a piece of just trusting in Him, um, the, the confidence that, that we've been with Him, um, confidence that uh, God is going to, um, He's going to guide our paths. We, we may have made our plans, but we, we trust that he's going to guide our paths, even if it doesn't go according to the, the way we have planned them. Uh, th- there's a lot of good practical effects, aside from the fact that we're just spending more time uh, with our God, that we will see in our spiritual walk. We may not see it right away. We might not, may not see it immediately. Um, but over time, you know, you develop that as a spiritual discipline and it pays off. Yeah. Uh, those are good points, brother. And, and I would say, you know, it, for the Christian, if you know your Bible, you'll know what to pray. Uh, conversely, if you don't know the scriptures, you know, you're going to struggle. Um, and I, I've never seen a praying man who didn't spend time in his Bible, really, uh, you know. And so, get in the Word uh, it, because you, you see all the riches of God's glory that He's given to us, all the spiritual blessings that He's given to us. I mean, there's no lack of 
things to thank God for. And that's often where I tell people to start. If you don't know what to pray, just start by thanking God for all of the good things in your life. You know, do you have a family? Do you have food on your table? Do you have shelter over your head? I mean, you realize there are people who sleep without food in their belly every night. There are Mm. people who lack shelter over their head. Um, and so we take those things for granted in the West. Although now I think, you know, you 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 fill up your gas tank and it's not like it was a couple years ago, uh, and right. so it, it's stressful right. for. But but really, you know, um, thank God for those things. And if you're not accustomed to prayer, and especially if you're a man in your home, you know, this is your duty um, to to lead your home even in this. And so if nothing else, begin by praying at the table. And if you don't know what to pray for, then thank God for your family and for the food on the table. Um, because there yeah. is a very real, it, it, it's also a discipline, right? You have to develop the habit and that has to be an intentional, purposeful thing that you do. And there's nothing wrong with that. We're not talking about uh, legalism, right? Trying to earn God's affection or trying to keep God's affection uh, or your salvation. We're just simply talking about the real um, human need to develop habits and set out time. And so just start doing it. And I think, uh, yeah, again, Martin Lloyd-Jones, I'm going to read another quote. Uh, you'll get a lot of Martin Lloyd-Jones out of me today. Um, but if you're not sure when to pray, he says this, above all, and again, this I regard as the most significant and important of all, always respond to every impulse to pray. Well, let me just stop right there. Wow. We have, you have impulses or you have reminders to pray, if, especially if you're on social media every day. Um, I, I know a guy who every time someone asks for prayer, I know that uh, when he responds that he'll pray, he actually does it right that moment so that he doesn't yeah. forget. Yeah. Which means they can't always be a long prayer, uh, right? Right. Um, right. But he takes that opportunity right there. And when you do things like that, you start to develop a, a mind and a, and a heart that wants to communicate with God. But not only that, you start finding yourself dependent on praying to God. Yeah. Because all of these things come up and you've trained yourself, oh, I. There's one who can do this, and I need to go to him. Um, and so, okay, so we, so Martin Lloyd Jones says, always respond to every impulse to pray. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. So never resist it, never postpone it, never push it aside because you're too busy. Give yourself to it, yield to it, and you'll find not only that you have been not uh, sorry, you will find not only that you have not been wasting time with respect to this matter with which you are dealing, but that actually it has helped you greatly in that respect. And that speaks to exactly what you quoted Martin Luther earlier. earlier. Um, he was so busy and he had so much to do. In fact, I, I've got that quote pulled up here uh, after, after you mentioned it. So the, the scenario was a friend apparently had asked Martin Luther what his plans were for the next day. And Luther rep- replied, work, work from morning until late at night. In fact, I have so much to do that I shall have to spend the first three hours in prayer. Um, <laughs> and, and that's not, yeah, there you go. The whole point that we should learn um, is that prayer had such an importance, such a supremacy in his life that he felt like, now he was doing God's work, that he felt like to do the work he needed to do well, he needed to spend that extra time with God. And I think, you know, Martin Lloyd-Jones kind of speaks to that as well. 
Yeah. And when we think about um, the kind of the praise part, you know, that part of your prayer, you want to pray your adoration for God and, and to um, give thanksgiving for what he has done. And obviously, starting with Jesus Christ, his work of salvation and, and the ministry of the spirit and, and God's word and all that. Um, but one of the greatest advices I've heard uh, was just to study the attributes of God. Right. When you study the attributes of God, you start to become more familiar with exactly who God is. Uh, what is it that makes him God? And for each of those attributes that you study, you can spend quite a bit of time just reflecting back what it is you know and just praising God for that. You know, the fact that he is sovereign, meaning that he is the highest in authority. I mean, give give praise to him that no one will ever surpass that authority. Give praise to him that not only is he sovereign, but he is also good. He he loves those who are part of his household. Not only that, but give thanks that even the evil that you see around or see around you has no choice ultimately but to achieve the very purpose that God seeks to achieve, um, even with uh, that evil intention from elsewhere. You know, so there's a lot of ways that we can give praise to God just by understanding his uh, his character and and his attributes. But here's another thing, and I'm thinking about the example of Paul when he was imprisoned with Silas in uh, Philippi. You know, how, how did um, they respond? Well, shockingly enough, in Acts chapter 16, verse 25, we read, but about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Now, I don't think this means that necessarily that they were saying, okay, let's pray. Okay, now let's sing. Let's pray. Let's sing. Let's pray. Let's sing. You know, I think it was just all one blended activity. You know, and and, and this is a reminder to us that, you know, even, even some of those hymns that you love to sing on Sundays, and, uh, you know, these hymns, especially when they're deeply theological, they remind you of the greatness of God. Like when you sing, how great thou art, or great is thy faithfulness, you know, you can sing those songs to God in prayer, right? You know, so so don't think that you necessarily have to talk. You can sing to God. That's it. In fact, I think that is the highest expression of singing is when we're actually singing our praise uh, to God himself. And so, part of um, your prayer time, make that praise about his attributes, make that praise just through your favorite songs. But as I mentioned, you know, go through the activities you're going to perform in the day and think through in a very detailed manner those activities, what's involved in them, and how you would like God to just bless each and every one of those aspects, but in unique ways, uh, you know, depending upon what the what the activity is. And, and so, I, I, th- I just, I can't help but to think that that's what, you know, when Jesus, when he was about to make major decisions, go through major events, and then obviously we know from the Garden of Gethsemane, his sweat coming down like blood, and then he's thinking and praying about uh, what's coming up. You know, let this cup pass for, from me, but not my will, but your will be done. And by the way, that's just a snippet of that prayer. You know, that that was a long prayer that he was lifting up to, to, to God in that time. So, share with God all that you're going through, but share it um, recognizing his character, his attributes, and then seeking wisdom from God in that. And anytime you open up the scriptures, you want to pray for illumination. After you finish the scriptures, give thanksgiving for that time. Pray for additional illumination that the uh, words that you have read will bear fruit in your life, that you'll know how to, how to uh, live those out. And to your point, and uh, this is a practice that I often try to do as well, because I know I'm going to forget if I don't. If someone asks you to pray, pray right on the spot. And even better, if you're there in person with, with that person that's asking for prayer, I immediately ask, can I pray for you right now? And then do it. Do it right there in their presence. Or if I get a text message from someone um, or an email um, asking for prayer and I'm able to call them up, I'm going to call them up. 
and say, hey, well, do you have time right now? I'd love to pray with you right over the phone. And it's amazing just how often just that one simple little act bestows an additional blessing upon the other person, mm-hmm. you know, and it's it's not just for the sake of blessing them, but in blessing them, they're being blessed because they're before God in his throne room, and they're hearing you intercede on their behalf to a great and holy God who wants to hear from us. That experience by itself is a blessing. And so, take every opportunity you can to pray with people, but also as you remember to pray for people, use that opportunity to send a quick text message and say, hey, I just want you to, want you to know that I've, I've, I've been praying for you. I prayed for you on this, or it may be a good reminder to follow up. Um, hey, I've been praying for this. How, how's it turned out? And as prayers are getting answered, give thanks for that. You know, and, and even if prayers aren't answered and they don't go the way that you wanted to, there's still opportunity to give thanks for that as well. The apostles, the apostles and disciples in the book of Acts even gave thanks that they were persecuted. They, they gave thanks um, that, that you deemed us worthy to be persecuted like your son, Jesus Christ. You know, and, and that's just, you know, that, that's the expression of us being thankful for all things. Because really, knowing that God is sovereign over all things means that we have reason to be thankful for all things, even the things that happen to us that are unpleasant. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, you know, every prayer gets answered. Um, sometimes it's just no. Or, right. or it's not what God's doing. He's doing something different, right? We don't know those things. But, I, you know, I think, you know, as I'm listening to you talk, I, I think one of the fundamental problems that that we have as human beings is um, it, that we don't really understand what it means to pray. And, and I mean, what I mean by that is I don't think we really think and understand that when we pray, we have an audience with God. I think if we understood that, we would want to pray more. I think if we understood that um, and believe that, we would pray differently when we pray. Uh, I think we would give thanks more often than we would give thanks. I think our petitions would, in a lot of ways, probably be less surface, um, less um, desire and more genuine need. Um, and, and I think that's, but that's what you're doing, right? I mean, just imagine you get a phone call uh, tomorrow and you know, you've been invited to um, meet the, I don't know, King of Jordan uh, or something. Um, it, it, you know, you're, you, you know uh, that you're about to have an audience with a king, with an earthly king, or just pick anyone, you know, that's in, in a very high level position like that. Well, uh, the reality is when you pray, you're getting an audience with, well, the king, the king of kings. Um, you're getting an audience with the God of the universe who wants to give you that audience. I mean, we go back yeah. to those Old Testament passages um, we talked about earlier. And I mean, you need to understand the, um, the the point of the passage aside. Here's God who's all-knowing, who knows when the people would repent, who um, doesn't need their prayers. You know, listen to what he says. He says, when my people humble themselves and pray, well, I mean, he's inviting them. I mean, that's an invitation to pray. I mean, it's more than an invitation in that case, but at the very least, it's an invitation to come and pray. And so, you know, when you pray, you're praying, one, because the God of the universe is allowing you, desiring you, wanting you to come and pray. And I mean, what an honor that's undeserved. Yeah. I, really, what an honor that's undeserved. And and you know why it's an honor? Because the unsaved person doesn't get that. Right. 
The unsaved person doesn't get that. I mean, this is something that God has specifically given you as a believer, us as a believer, is that invitation to pray because the godless have no desire to pray. Um, And so even that in and of itself is something worthy of giving God thanks for. Yeah, and and just our acts of prayer. And and obviously, we want to be careful because we're not praying in order to be recognized by men. But um, but but even being a people of prayer helps helps to communicate to others that we do believe in a God that we can't see. Um, we do believe that He hears us, and and we do believe that He is faithful um, to answer those prayers, uh, regardless of wh- how it is that He's going to going to answer them. You know, and don't be in such a rush to end the prayer just because nothing comes to mind. You know, there may be moments where um, your mind goes blank. You know, you can continue to just sit there in silence. That that's not a sin. Continue to sit there in si- silence, and then just let the Holy Spirit just search your mind and your heart, and uh, and, and in that moment, uh, be sensitive to kind of what the Holy Spirit may bring to mind um, that that uh, you can you can work upon uh, to to give to God and and to to pray to Him and, and to ask for His guidance and wisdom, or to help. Uh, <clears throat> To, to help act upon something that's really outside of your control. So uh, there, there's no, and, and by the way, you don't always have to be by yourself, right? Um, yep. Obviously, prayer can be corporate. It could be with a group of people, it can be with one person or multiple, how, however it may be. And you don't always have to have your eyes closed. You don't need to be in a secluded place. You can be in the middle of the busiest place in the world, um, walking with your eyes open, fully aware of what you're, what's going on around you, and still be praying in your mind and your heart to God. And in fact, in those moments where I may have uh, an opportunity to evangelize or I'm sharing spiritual realities with an unbeliever, in that moment, as I'm talking to that person or as I'm listening to the person, I am actively in prayer with God, asking God, reveal to me, um, give me wisdom, help reveal to me um, what I need to say to this person, how I can help them to see their blindness, their their need for you. Um, in fact, I remember hearing a story, and you probably heard this too, I heard of this, uh, you know, every once in a while you get these debates uh, where you get a believer and, and a non-believer or maybe two believers arguing, uh, you know, certain theological point. But I think in this one example, it was a believer and a non-believer. And uh, one of them, I believe, was an atheist and really attacking the faith. And uh, the, this guy who was on the other side, I think it was, he was either inexperienced or it was his first time. And as he was up there, he's scribbling furiously on paper as he is um, listening to kind of this onslaught, this attack um, from this other person. And he's just continuing to write and write and write. And then finally, when the other person is done, and it's that person's uh, turn to speak. He went ahead and answered and answered in a great way. Just answered the objections, was very clear, very helpful, um, just, just very insightful. And then someone followed up with him and asked him, um, what was it that you were scribbling on paper as you were hearing, to, hearing the other person? And he reveals the sheet of paper and he kept writing over and over again, more light, more light, more light, basically requesting illumination from the Lord mm. to, to help him to, to see and understand. Yeah. Um, which, uh, you know, that that's that's a form of prayer, you know, yeah. going to, to going to God and, and requesting it from him. So you can do it at any time. You can do it while you're talking. Um, you don't always have to do it with your eyes closed. In fact, oftentimes, if you're driving, if you're walking, you shouldn't have your eyes closed. But there's no rule that says you have to have your eyes closed or you have to be laying down or you have to be sleeping or or in a sleeping position or anything like that. You you could be praying from any kind of position. There's no limitation on God's part on when he hears you and when he doesn't. Yeah, that's a good point. And, you know, lest anyone think we're talking about just haphazardly and overly casually coming to God, that's not what we mean. Prayer always ought to be done with a posture of reverence. Um, but, but 
Yeah. You know, if you're driving, please don't close your eyes. Jesus isn't going to take the wheel. Um, (laughs) You know, uh, you will wreck and meet your maker probably before you intended. Um, But, you know, it's a good point. And the reality is a a prayerless Christian is a powerless Christian. A prayerless Christian is a powerless Christian. You know, this is what God's given us um, to uh, focus in on His wisdom, on the Scripture He's given us to really take the focus away from ourselves um, and put it on God, right? Because when you're, oh, just like when you're talking to someone else, you're talking to your spouse or your kid or your friend, you know, you're listening intently, you're, you know, you're giving of yourself to that person in conversation, at least uh, most of us would be doing that. Um, and so, I, 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 I'm going to give one more quote, I think, for just to talk about really um, drifting away and, and the power of prayer just in keeping your spiritual life. I think D.A. Carson makes a really good point. He says, we don't drift into spiritual life, right? So, we don't yeah. drift into health. Sure. In fact, sure. no one drifts but in one direction, and that is away from godliness, yeah. right? Yeah. If we're not active, you're moving towards godlessness um, and and hindering your sanctification. So, he says, we don't drift into spiritual life. We do not drift into disciplined prayer. We do not grow in prayer unless we plan to pray. That means we must set aside time to do nothing but pray. What we actually do reflects our highest priority. That means we can proclaim our commitment to prayer until the cows come home, but unless we actually pray, our actions disown our words. Mm. And it, it, you know, it's a powerful reminder of um, we are all going in one direction or the other. Um, and in a fallen world, without an intentional um, without intentional spiritual disciplines, you know, our sanctification is being hindered. And so, make a plan um, to pray. Do whatever you need to do. Set an alarm uh, on on your phone. Um, you know, that's one of the things I used uh, when we first moved from the East Coast to Alaska. I mean, my my regular schedule was just shredded to pieces. We're four hours behind the East Coast here. There were all kind of things. Life changed. Um, and so, my normal habits of prayer were all over the place. And so, I set, I mean, at one stage, I think I had six or seven different alarms um, for various things uh, when I would normally do certain reading and certain prayer. Um, mark it on your calendar. Tell your wife. Uh, you know, do whatever you need to do, um, but start to develop some habits of prayer. But I think all of that aside, the the more important thing is to start with understanding what you're doing when you're praying. You're coming before an almighty God. Not only that, you're coming before a God who has given you the gift of prayer, as we've talked about, because an unbeliever doesn't have that. And so, God has chosen you before the foundations of creation. He's adopted you as sons and daughters. He's redeemed you through the blood of Christ. Uh, He's cast your sin as far away as from the east as to the west, and he's given you an audience with himself. At any time of the day, of the night, um, he's never too busy. He's never, you know, he's not like human kings in the past where we see, you know, had to extend the scepter in scripture 
uh, to be able to speak to him. No, he's given you all access 24-7. What an incredible gift prayer is. If we start with that understanding of prayer, I think um, that it'll change our heart in prayer, and I think it'll change our desire and increase it um, towards prayer. So we start finding that it's not a chore, right? Um, but it's something we get to do. It's just like going to church on Sunday. You don't have to go to church on Sunday. You get to go to church on Sunday. It ought to be a joy. It ought to be something you look forward to each and every day. And so prayer ought to be one of those things as well. Yeah, it reminds me of um, uh, David in one of his Psalms when he said, I rejoiced when you said, let us go to the house of the Lord, mm. right? Um, we there, There's the sensation, the, the mi- mindset, the attitude of, it's not something I have to do. It's something that I get to do. It's something that is a blessed opportunity for me to do um, because the alternative of not having access to God um, should be frightening. And uh, and so, the the picture that, that you paint is one that I think is helpful for us to have in our own minds as well, that this is, um, you know, the, the most holy, the most perfect, the almighty creator. This is the one who is completely separate from all others, the one that's worthy of all of our worship, um, the one who has existed from eternity past, and yet he, he wants to hear us come to him. Mm-hmm. And so, we want to, we, what we do want to make that um, a regular uh, practice uh, as much as possible before and after each and every activity that we go through. And even in, um, I would say, it's not just even, but especially in biblical counseling, uh, when I meet uh, with people and, and go over uh, some of the things that they're struggling with, you know, when there are struggles, for instance, with uh, human relationships, you know, um, with married couples, you know, the husband comes home from work and he comes home with the wrong attitude and and is already doing things to upset the wife or making the wife feel hurt or whatever it may be, you know, that, that those are opportunities where you look at your life and say, okay, when I get home, don't just step into the house, take a moment. Go before God and say, God, I'm home now. I'm about to walk into my house. Um, help to guide me and to empower me to, to love my wife the way Christ loved the church and, and to not resort to ungodliness or, or to anger or, or to be callous or to be cold, but rather to regard her as my one flesh relationship, the one who I'm to nurture. You know, and just taking that moment to go to God in prayer during those moments where you know you struggle. I mean, that's, that, those are just really obvious opportunities to do that. Take a moment, pray to God, and you'll be surprised and how different your attitude is as you walk into the door. It's hard to have an audience with the king and walk away uh, the same, you know, yeah. as you were before. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, brother, I hope that uh, this has been helpful for me just to rehash this. I hope that uh, for our listeners, it's been helpful. And so, just as a reminder, it, you know, there's no better time spent than time in prayer. And so, with that, go and let the truth be known. The Truth Be Known podcast is a theologically driven, gospel-centered program serving the body of Christ by bringing biblical truth to bear on issues facing the church today. Subscribe to the Truth Be Known podcast by using the podcast app on your Apple or Android device or listen online at strivingforeternity.org in the podcast section.